It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you listen, I hope you're doing all right. We've got a busy show scheduled for you today. But first, today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out his website and drool www.salesneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call 912-268-2328 912-268-2328 find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's to get a decent slice of pizza Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant is the place to be today's show is also being brought to us in part by our app that's right Get our app. It's for free. Just go to Fight. That's F-I-T-E. Fight.tv slash Billy C. Fight.tv slash Billy C. Download our app right now so you can watch and listen to our show on your handheld. And today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can literally get a copy of it right now while you're watching or listening to the show all you gots to do is go to Barnes & Noble or Amazon.com. And if you're looking to get a signed copy, don't worry about it. Visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and click on the book. Can't miss it. And follow the directions. Don't forget, if you are getting a, a book uh, that you want signed, uh, make sure you uh, write in there how you want it personalized. And I'll do it any way you want. Uh, it's a must-read book. Trust me, you'll love it. Um... Coming up on today's show, um, we got uh, my man uh, Larry Hazard, Boxing Hall of Famer, and New Jersey Boxing Commissioner. He'll be joining us a little bit later. Also, Alex Papali and I will present this week's Blast from the Past, which features former world champion and Boxing Hall of Famer as of 2015. One of my favorite personal fighters and a good guy, Ray Boom Boom Mancini. Loved Boom Boom. Uh, really uh, loved watching his fights when he was active. And one of the things I always respected about Boom Boom was that he walked away young. And he did come back a couple of times, uh, but uh, for the most part, uh, stayed away. And we'll uh, get to that a little bit later. Today, I, you know, yesterday I, I was making uh, some bold statements about uh, Adam Konaski. Kownowski is how you say it, Kownowski. It's spelled like Konaki, but uh, Kownowski is how they uh, were saying it. And uh, I was making my prediction that uh, he would be indeed the next opponent 
for WBC champ Deontay Wilder, who I feel, no disrespect to Deontay, but I feel he's he's a fraud. I mean, uh, he pounds his chest, says he's the best, uh, and he's fought nobody. Well, uh, although Adam Kownowski seemed to be a logical fit for him, and I still think that I would uh, not be too shocked if uh, Deontay Wilder does fight him next, It will be announced, uh, possibly later this afternoon or tomorrow, that a deal has been struck for Deontay Wilder to fight Luis Ortiz. Now, I got to give Deontay all the credit in the world because to tell you the truth, uh, Luis Ortiz will be the first real opponent that Deontay Wilder has faced. Despite being 38 years old and despite having a not-so-great performance in his last outing, I still would give Deontay Wilder lots of credit for beating Luis Ortiz should he beat him. I personally don't think he will. Uh, I think he will finally get exposed and his uh, uh, world will come a-tumbling down. Joining me right now from St. Simons Island is my man Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, what's your thoughts on Deontay Wilder uh, facing Luis Ortiz? A real fight for sure. Bill, yeah, it's a real fight. I, I'm, I'm still, uh, I'm still cracking up over your comment. I don't mean any disrespect, but Deontay Wilder is a fraud. I, I love it. Um, anyway, I don't mean any disrespect either. But I think that's a good fight, Bill. I think that's going to be a great test for Deontay Wilder. And uh, as you say, it may expose him to be um, uh, ordinary as you think he is. And I, I, I think he is just above that, uh, but uh, uh, I think it's a good fight, and I definitely would love to see that fight. Yeah, well, I say he's a fraud because, you know, he pounds his chest, says he's the best, and who's he got on his resume? Berman well, Stavern. Like said, uh, Berman yeah. Stavern is a guy that we, we, we all thought was good, but as it turned out, he wasn't all that great, you know? So who was who Deontay Wilder beat? I mean, uh, you no, know. you make a good point bill I, I i'm i'm just having a little jab jab here and there a little gibberish fun here but um you know that's just it his resume may not speak volumes um i think he does have some innate ability and some talent um i i certainly uh know that where you're going with uh, your your statements and what you mean by that because he hasn't faced the kind of opposition that uh, you and i probably would like to see him face but I also uh, go back to the promoters and go back to the managers. Are they really putting him in tough uh, as as he wishes he could be in tough? I don't know if he does wish that because uh, he'd be calling out the top fighters, as he sometimes does. But, you know, it, it's hard to say. Like I said, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Or, or the manager, promoter, are they uh, guiding the career the way they think they could elongate a champion that they have and, and uh, keep them out of harm's way for as long as they have to ride that horse, or are they going to uh, put him in tough and and uh, finally he rises to the occasion and does what a champion should do and win, or does he fold and and uh, just you know look like he's ordinary? The, the 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 issue I have, and you're right, you know, in today's world of boxing. You know, uh, you got to assume that the fighter is willing to fight anybody, and it's the promoter and the manager and the trainers who who hold them back because, you know, they they seem to, you know, know something that maybe the fighter doesn't. And that's exactly what I believe in this case. You know, uh, Deontay Wilder, 
is just like the main character in Harder Day Fall. You know, he's yes, a guy that's yes. been built up. He's a guy that honestly believes that he's that good. Uh, and the truth of the matter is he's not. Uh, he's very one-dimensional. Uh, he does have a suspect chin, although you know he uh, uh, keeps winning. He just hasn't fought anybody of real caliber. Now, uh, to defend Deontay... There is only so many fighters in the heavyweight division today that, uh, you know, I would call a top upper echelon type fighter. And I believe he's chose one or his team has chosen one um, in Luis Ortiz. Now, one thing I want to make a note of is that uh, Luis Ortiz apparently has just signed a management deal with Al Heyman. Uh, several months ago, three months ago, which kind of, I, it was the first I heard of it, to be honest with you. Wow. And maybe this is why uh, Deontay Wilder all of a sudden is, is being matched up with him. Uh, you know, Deontay Wilder was saying that he wasn't going to fight Ortiz because Ortiz tested positive uh, for, 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 for performance-enhancing <laughs> drugs back in 2014, and he hasn't tested positive since. You know, and, and you know, Deontay was, well, I'm not fighting him because of that. You know, so uh, listen, uh, the bottom line, it's going to be taking place in New York, uh, most likely on November 4th, and uh, it's a good fight. I, I, I like the fight, and I think that Deontay Wilder needs this fight and needs to look good and needs to get a W. I mean, the most important thing, even if he doesn't look good, he needs to get a W in this fight, and then that should open up the doors for him. I still believe that Anthony Joshua... He's the best heavyweight on the planet right now. I think Anthony Joshua destroys Deontay Wilder. I think he destroys Luis Ortiz. You know, but uh, hey, first things first, Deontay against Luis Ortiz. I like the fight, Sal. It's a good, solid fight. I think it's a good uh, uh, fight that's going to reveal a lot about Deontay Wilder. And uh, like I said, he's either going to rise to the occasion and he's going to look good. He's going to get that W. Or he's going to be discovered and found out, and uh, we'll see. It'll be uh, the harder they fall, pal. You know, uh, just a little side note. Uh, somehow, uh, Berman Stavern uh, has become, uh, you know, we knew, we knew this uh, because of his last fight, but he, he had become the WBC's mandatory for, uh, for Deontay Wilder. Now, we already saw Deontay Wilder beat uh, Berman Stavern. And uh, the negotiations with uh, Don King have been uh, difficult. You know, Don is, uh, uh, doesn't have many fighters and, and is, is trying to, you know, overbid himself or overprice himself and, and uh, his fighter. So now uh, the only stumbling block and the only reason why it has not been announced is because Don King is looking for step-aside money uh, for uh, Berman Stavern. The thing is is that Berman Stavern can't really, his team, Don King, can't really come up with any money to, to, to you know, put on this fight. And the truth of the matter is, is Al Heyman uh, being uh, in a management agreement with both Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz makes the most sense. Plus, it makes the most sense for both of the fighters, Sal, because Luis Ortiz, he's been dying for a shot at a title. And should he beat Wilder, which I think he will, in my opinion, uh, that sets up some really good fights. It also secures Al Heyman. Everybody thinks Al Heyman is all for the good of the, box, uh, the boxer, all for the good of the sport. Let me tell you something. Al Heyman is no different than uh, Bob Arum or Don King or, or Oscar De La Hoya. He cares about himself. He cares about his fighters. He cares about his bank account. 
and look at the position he's in all of a sudden. He's got both Luis Ortiz and Deontay Wilder. He puts them in against each other. He's in a win-win situation. And then that fighter, the winner, goes on to fight uh, somebody else. So, I mean, uh, the truth of the matter is, is make no mistake, Al Heyman's in the business for the business. He's not looking to help anybody. Uh, he may elude and may, uh, you know, smokescreen people and make them think that he's helping them. But at the end of the day, he's helping himself. Well, you know, I, I think you're 100% right, if I'm not mistaken. I, I mean, that, that's been going on f- uh, for a long time in the world of boxing. And, uh, I mean, when I fought Louis Lamelli, I mean, uh, uh, Lou Duva in the Duva camp, they had uh, um, uh, Pernell Whitaker and the winner of the fight. I think they also had Louis Lamelli in some way, shape, or form. So, it was, you know, in other fields or other industries, it would be considered a conflict of interest. But, uh, you know, at boxing... Hey, it's it is what it is, and that's what you know. I reflect back at the old days when Mickey said, "Hey, we're all we're all bad. You got to find the best of the bad because we're all crooked. We just want what's best for us." You know. Thank you, Mick. You know the the, the <laughs> bottom line. Uh, back to the uh, to the Deontay Wilder Luis Ortiz uh, thing is Berman Stavern, By the way, he was fighting Alexander. He was scheduled to fight Alexander Povetkin uh, to win the uh, mandatory uh, title position. And if you recall, Alexander Povetkin uh, tested positive. So so Berman Stavern hopped right. on a plane and went home. So really, he was awarded that mandatory shot without fighting. You know, so, I mean, uh, you know, no disrespect to the WBC because, uh, you know, they do do a lot of good things uh, for the sure. sport. Uh, but uh, but the truth of the matter is, is you know, they, they, they insert a mandatory who hasn't even won that spot in the ring. And, and don't get me wrong, I don't I don't disagree. I, you know, if, if a fighter's going to cheat and he's caught, um, you know, unless they uh, do something to sweeten the pot. And trust me, I, you know, not to, first of all, Berman Stavern isn't isn't anything special. He, he's 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 not. Uh, I mean, by today's standards, maybe I, I don't know. But uh, Povetkin's nothing special either. Luis Ortiz is a significant jump up in class for Deontay Wilder. I I love the fight, uh, you know, and I hope I hope I'm wrong. I hope I hope I'm wrong. I hope Deontay Wilder comes in and shuts me up because this is the kind of fight he needs to fight. You know, this is a guy that pounds his chest, saying he's the best in the in the world at heavyweight. Says he when it's all said and done, he wants to be regarded as the best heavyweight ever. You know, wants to keep wow. fighting, wants to do this, wants to do that. Pounds his chest. I, you know, and what aggravates me is he has nothing to really substantiate that. A win over Luis Ortiz at least puts him in the right direction, Sal. You are 100% right across the board, Bill. Uh, I have to agree with you. And uh, like I said, if this guy wants to be one of the history makers and one of the history book uh, uh, great greats, uh, hey, he's on the path. He's got to get past uh, Ortiz, and then he's got to start knocking down the big boys that uh, he hasn't faced thus far. But, uh, you know, I think as you suggested, you know, he wins and looks dominant over uh, Ortiz. That's going to open up a lot of doors and possibilities. And so, uh, you know, hey, let's see what he could do. Let's see what he could do. Can he rise to the occasion? I I, I want to say I think he can. Um, but we'll see. It's a couple of months away. Let's hear what they have to say. Well, you know, the fir- first and foremost, I mean, let's be real. The top heavyweights today. I mean, I used to like Brian Jennings. You know, he hasn't fought, so you can't put him in the mix. Adam no. Kowalski with his win over Spitzka this past weekend. 
Um, you know, I, I, he's got to be mentioned in the discussion. I don't think he's a top heavyweight, but he's got to be mentioned based on the, the crop of heavyweights today. Uh, we're going to talk about Tuesday night fights a little later. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, we may have a guy in the mix there. But let's be real. The main heavyweights right now, Anthony Joshua, um, you know, Joseph Parker, Deontay Wilder, Vladimir Klitschko still. He's still. And still. Ortiz. And Ortiz. Ortiz is and in Ortiz. that mix. You know, yeah. so at least Wilder is fighting a top guy. I already made uh, Anthony Joshua my top heavyweight because he fought Klitschko. I just went over my time, Sal, so hold that thought. I'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Billy C will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And just before we went to break, we were discussing Deontay Wilder uh, taking on uh, Luis Ortiz sometime in the fall, most likely in November. And Sal... Uh, I was saying that I got to give him credit uh, by fighting Luis Ortiz because Luis Ortiz is one of those guys in the, in the top upper echelon of the heavyweights today. And uh, should he beat uh, Ortiz, I, I would give him all the credit in the world. Yes, I, I me too. And I, like I said, uh, I think it's a great step for him. I think it's a step in the right direction. And uh, I think uh, it'll give him a chance to prove himself. And uh, and uh, those uh, doubters out there, such as you and I, I think uh, we'll either have an opportunity to, to uh, come around and see that this heavyweight champion may be for real and uh, or that he's going to be finally exposed. So uh, I love the fight. I think it's a great matchup, too. You know, uh, I had predicted on yesterday's show that the next opponent for Deontay Wilder would be Adam Konowski. Uh, you big did. Win, a big winner uh, over uh, uh, Spitzka, uh, Tor Spitzka this past weekend. Um, I still uh, am not counting that out. And one of the reasons is, you know, uh, Deontay Wilder hides behind uh, any kind of, uh, if a guy tested positive, which I, which I, I shouldn't have used that term because I agree with him. But um, FYI, Ortiz, it was announced uh, on Monday that the WBC had posted uh, fighters that have not been uh, tested uh, as part of the Clean Boxing Act that they uh, incorporated. And uh, Luis Ortiz was one of them that has not been tested so far in 2017. We're already in, in, you know, in the middle of July, and he's yet to be tested. So, you know, maybe uh, they're giving him a chance to uh, <coughs> test uh, negative. <coughs> Clean uh, up his uh, act. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so uh, uh, we'll see what happens. But should he... Uh, fail a test or anything, I, I, I still say uh, Adam Kowalski. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I love to fight. Deontay Wilder uh, against uh, uh, Luis Ortiz. Finally, uh, a real fight. Should Deontay Wilder get past him, he would deserve uh, to pound his chest like he does anyway. The funny thing is I totally predict uh, right now that uh, Ortiz right now. will beat 
Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder will not uh, be able to uh, uh, beat Ortiz. Anyway, speaking of fights and heavyweights, last night, former heavyweight champ uh, Charles Martin, who my man uh, AJ, Anthony Joshua, beat to win his first title, uh, destroyed Mike Marone yesterday uh, in the first round. I told you guys that Mike Marone does not train. This was a, a comeback and get me a win kind of a fight. Uh, knocked him out first round uh, to improve to 25 wins, one loss, one draw. With 23 knockouts, Mike Marone drops uh, the eighth fight of his career. He's now 21-8 and eight with 15 knockouts. Make no mistake, Mike Marone is looking to get a couple of bucks here and there. Uh, I didn't like the fight. It, it wasn't... Uh, it was good for Mike Marone to make some money. Uh, bad to prove uh, where uh, Martin is at this point, but nonetheless, a win's a win. Also on that card, Edwin Labamba Rodriguez improved uh, to 29 and two with 20 knockouts when he stopped Melvin Russell uh, in the second round. Uh, Melvin Russell had only lost once before. He now is 10 and two with a couple of draws. Uh, this was uh, uh, Labamba's first fight since he lost to uh, Thomas Williams Jr. Uh, over a year and a half ago, or just about a year and a half ago. Uh, also on the card, the main event, Chris Avellos improved to 27-5 uh, with uh, 20 knockouts when he got his 20th knockouts, uh, knockout when he uh, scored a fifth-round stoppage over Miguel Flores, who drops to 21-2. and two. Uh, Also, uh, Ahmed Ibiliai, who's a, a good fighter, uh, to keep an eye on. He improved to 16-0 when he scored a second-round stoppage over Christopher Brooker. And uh, the only uh, televised fight that actually uh, went the distance, which tells you uh, <clears throat> might have been the only uh, evenly matched fight, uh, Ryan Carl improved to 14-1 when he won a uh, a decision, eight-round decision over Carlos Velacruz. And Velacruz uh, drops to 24-30. and 24-30. and 30. Did, did, did you hear the amount of losses? I said 24 and 30. 30? Yeah, it was 30. You know, 30. so. Uh, wow, that's a. That's a nail bite. Let me do my math. That's uh, that's more than 500%. Yeah, that's a nail biter. That was a nail biter 50-50 uh, match when, they, uh, when the matchmaker made that one. But uh, anyway, um, you know, you remember Jermaine Taylor, former uh, middleweight yeah. world champion. He, he was a he was a really good amateur, and uh, his rise to uh, uh, heavyweight, I mean uh, middleweight title, uh, was exciting. And, and and I've always said since he had won the title, um, they uh, really he he wasn't that impressive. Well, his uh, performances outside the ring have been uh, less than stellar. Uh, he has been uh, in and out of trouble uh, since his uh, ring career ended. And by the way, he was trying to resurrect his career. He's 38 years old already, uh, which uh, kind of surprised me. But uh, he got rest arrested again um, in, in Arkansas. He uh, bit a woman's arm and her face while he was threatening to kill her. Uh, he was arrested uh, around 3 a.m., uh, yesterday morning, uh, he was wow. released. Um, and according to multiple reports, uh, the woman that he bit and threatened to kill I, I, so far has not uh, pressed any charges, although the, the police were called by someone. I don't know if it was a neighbor or whatever. Now, if you recall, Sal uh, Taylor, 
is uh, currently serving a six-year suspended sentence after pleading guilty to not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, but nine felony charges in 2015, including shooting uh, his cousin, uh, Tyrone Dewan Hilton. Uh, they, uh, uh, you know, somehow reduced that to, to a suspended sentence. Uh, this, is, uh, uh, this is not looking too good for uh, yeah. Jermaine Taylor. What do you think? No, you know, I'll tell you what. Once you get off that path, and if you don't get right back on track, you keep getting further and further and further off that path. And uh, this is a case that, uh, I'll tell you, I, I'm sure he had people around him to try to guide him, but, you know, when you're, you're, when you're falling down in the abyss, it's, uh, it, it, it says a lot about your character or lack thereof. And that abyss is pretty deep. <laughs> I saw the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was wild, that movie. That ending was always like, oh, I guess he ain't coming back. Huh? Not unless <laughs> not unless they have a really, really long rope, you know. But oh, uh, yeah. I love that Mary. Who is that, Matthew. Fred? Um, my favorite actress. Who, who, was the, who was the star of that, Fred? Um, that, no, no, that was the female lead that who i love she's a beautiful italian actress she's been in some great movies but uh, that was mary elizabeth mastrantonio love her. Yeah, yeah but wasn't fred dreyer the the, the no actor? it wasn't fred dreyer it was uh i mean he might have been it but it, no it was uh oh gosh he uh he's got he's got uh, i think his name is two single syllables uh no maybe harris because something harris something harris I don't know. I, I, I thought it, I thought it was I, – I, I don't know, but uh, I liked the movie. It was underwater, right? Coach is probably, probably going to type the answer in the chat room. He knows everything. He's in the wall, huh? <laughs> it but, was um, – oh, gosh, he's a great actor. He, 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 he had a good, solid run. He was in a lot of movies at that time. He just exploded on the scene. And here we are, two decades later, and I think I forgot it. But name. that was that movie was no, it was something Harris. His that, name was something Harris. It was under under the underwater, right? Under the water. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's anyway, like, boy, you should bottom the sea one, without the sea view. One last thing, because you know we got uh, we got Larry Hazard coming up, then uh, then we got uh, Alex Papali doing our blast this week, Boom Boom Man City. But but check this out. Can you believe? And, and you know, I, I I try not to talk about uh, this this circus fight, but it was released yesterday um, about uh, the uh, uh, McGregor Mayweather fight, and apparently it's generating huge betting uh, interest in Las Vegas, which would surprise me because they say that usually the biggest games, World Series. Uh, NBA championships and of course the Super Bowl uh, are gener you know generate a lot of money uh, in Vegas, but this fight apparently is, and uh, right now most people putting money on this fight are putting it on McGregor. Uh, you know Floyd is only a seven to one favorite. Um, uh, apparently uh, twenty five hundred uh, bets have already been placed on uh, Conor McGregor. And only 65 on on Floyd Mayweather. Now I don't know what the deal is. I mean, uh, you know, there's no way that Conor McGregor is going to win this fight. Are these just stupid people betting money, or uh, do they think seven to one is are great odds? Because you know, I mean, I could see throwing a couple of bucks on if you're getting a hundred to one or something like that. But seven to one, I mean. 
that seems like it's easy money to put, uh, you know, a thousand bucks or seven hundred dollars to keep the, you know, uh, figure simple, seven hundred bucks to win a hundred. Uh, I, I don't think Mayweather is in any any uh, risk of losing this fight. I mean, what do you think of these odds and the amount of people betting on McGregor? Well, he is the long shot. I'm not going to bet on the fight, but if I was to bet, I'd throw a little money on uh, McGregor too, just for the simple fact that, hey, with 7-1 odds, I'd rather win seven times the money than just 30% of the what I put in, you know, something like that. No, I know, so, but, but my point is, is, is 7-1 seven to one worth it? I, I not really. I mean, if I, I I could probably do better off in a casino with a thousand bucks as my 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 bank, uh, but uh, you never know. You never know. Hey, guess what? You're you're appealing to the masses with this. You have gamblers out there, and uh, hey, they're looking at it as an opportunity to get a return. And if they're that kind of gambler that's going to throw that money down, I'm sure it's a lot more than just a thousand dollars. So uh, they're, they're, they have the bankroll to make uh, make more, and that's what they're probably trying to do. They think, hey, and and look at these odds. I, I hear they were changing for the longest time, and I think they're going to still. You know, maybe they place a bet today, but uh, who knows what those odds are going to really come off of uh, up to fight time. And that's how, that's how pathetic this fight really is. They're actually taking – the bantering at the press conferences and and trying to decide well this guy won this i mean give me a break so conor mcgregor won this press conference it's it's not about a damn press conference it's about the fight and a boxing match that's not really a boxing match um uh well it's a boxing match but it's not uh, you know what i'm trying to say bill help me out here yeah i'm gonna help you out because we're gonna disconnect <laughs> you now we are uh gonna be taking <laughs> i a knew break. it i knew it we're gonna be taking a break sal go get some coffee run to the toilet and uh we'll see you uh in a little bit my man i'll be listening all right, all right take, take care yeah uh Bye. that's uh sal rocky senicola he'll be back and so will we billy c will be right back have you heard? Proactive Plus is faster and better than ever. Stay tuned for a million bottle giveaway and you'll also receive free shipping. Do you have troubled skin? Acne? Well, we have great news. With Proactive Plus, your acne can heal and you can help prevent new breakouts from happening. Don't miss this limited time offer. Give us a call at 800-567-0214 because we're going to let a million people try Proactive Plus risk-free and get two free gifts and also receive free shipping when you call right now. You heard it. This offer won't last long. So call Proactive Plus now and you'll receive a 60-day risk-free trial of Proactive Plus, two free extras, and free shipping. Call 800-567-0214. This is our exclusive radio offer, never on TV. Get your risk-free 60-day trial of Proactive Plus with free shipping. That's right, free shipping. Don't wait. Call 800-567-0214. That's 800-567-0214. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening 
to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, speaking about being with us, joining me right now is Boxing Hall of Famer and New Jersey Boxing Commissioner Larry Hazard. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Billy. Good how's morning. It, how's it going, my man? Couldn't be better. Staying, uh, staying cool down there. I heard you guys are uh, sweltering down uh, south of where I am. Yeah, it's going to be another scorcher today. I um, funny thing, uh, I call myself abbreviating my workout this morning because I have have to always drop my uh, truck off, my state truck, for servicing, and then I walk to the building. It's about a mile, mile and a half from the building. Okay, but. I think I made a mistake this morning. By the time I got to the building, I was shirt. I had to change my shirt. I always keep a spare shirt in the in the office. Shirt was soaking wet, man. It's gonna be a scorch out there. I, I could I could imagine. It's like uh, you didn't think you were walking through a sauna from uh, from where you dropped it off to the office, right? I'm, I'm telling you, I I really got caught by surprise. But well, you, you would think mistake. you would think early in the morning you'd have a reprieve, right? You think you get a little coolness, right? But uh, no, man. Unless you know what what's in store for later on today. I'll tell you what's in store. You're not walking back to get the truck, right? <laughs> no, no. I'll, I'll get a ride over there. <laughs> there you go. You get a ride, and you'll say, "Hey, do me a favor. Uh, get that AC cooking, and let me know when it's nice and cool. I'll run down and uh, dive into the car." You know, but. Uh, oh. Anyway, we had some fights this past weekend, and uh, I don't know. I'm not sure what to think about uh, several of them. And I'll start off by uh, talking about the main event on HBO, uh, Burchelt against uh, uh, Murara. You know, I mean, Takashi Murara is a tough guy, but um, nowhere's near a fighter that you want to see how good a guy is. And considering... The announcers were putting Burchelt in the same discussion as Vasily Lomachenko. I think it was hard to gauge. What was your thoughts? Well, you know, when it comes to those uh, commentators, I don't, I don't, I don't pay much attention to them anymore because I'm totally convinced that there's an interest, you know, either uh, individually or through the network, that there are certain fighters that they wish to highlight for some reason. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't believe that there's a vested interest. But I think that they think that the viewership wants to see certain fighters. So they um, oftentimes you wonder, are they looking at the same fight that I'm looking at? You know, it's like, uh, you know, like someone, someone, you know, telling you, you, your eyes, don't believe your eyes, believe me, you know. But, you know, that, that, that's, we've heard it before. We've, you, we've listened to these guys before. It's, it's funny. I, was, um, I like watching some of the old, old vintage fights. I was, um, once again, watching Ali, uh, Ali Frazier 3, Thriller in Manila. And it was just a pleasure to sit and watch a good fight. And you had Don Dumpy, who was the, um, you know, play-by-play guys, for lack of a better term. You know, every now and then he would say a few things and, you know, just to get you focused. Then he would shut up. You know, he let you watch and enjoy the fight. It's so much different today with these guys constantly running their mouths. You know, and I wonder sometimes, 
if the shirts at the network um, ever understood that they're turning a lot of fans off. You know, a lot of fans don't watch fights simply because they can't take guys like Lampley and that Kellerman. I could, Lampley is very articulate, but it's that other guy, that Kellerman guy with the big mouth, and he's always running off saying stuff that, you know, is really out in left field that it's very hard for me to even. Uh, oftentimes I just turn the sound down. So I don't I don't listen to those guys. You know, he's he's yeah. been he's been spending much too much time with Stephen A. Smith, huh? Oh, please, forget <laughs> about him. Man. I know, that I know. Guy. But, oh. but hey, you know, you're talking about uh Ali real quick, just to get off topic. You know, I I'm doing this uh new program that's gonna be hitting the uh, television network soon and it's basically we revisit uh some of these old fights and call them like they're happening now and we score them uh um, uh, you know, based on today's scoring criteria and whatever. And one of the fights we did uh, as a pilot was Ali against Buster Mathis. The reason why I bring that fight up is because Ali in that fight, if, if people don't remember or have never seen that fight, you can really appreciate the skill set that he had because his jab was so effective. And, and you can yes. really, because he was still young and in his prime, and you can really, uh, you know, appreciate a big man, and Ali was a big man during his era, uh, with yes. the uh, fluidness that he had. And, and the way, I mean, he literally, that fight to me, well, I was watching that fight. I mean, the Frazier fights obviously were great, but, you know, Frazier made those fights uh, more yeah. of uh, you know in tight and and prevented Ali from from doing what he really uh, did best and and the Buster Mathis fight uh, that he had was uh, uh, was really displaying his hand speed and you know his ring generalship and uh, for anybody that's never seen that fight you should punch it up but the, back to the topic with the uh, uh, main event on HBO. What was your thoughts? And I don't know if you ever went back and watched that first round. Remember I was telling you to watch the first round in Russia, uh, what they did uh, to the guy with the, with, when they were basically giving him uh, uh, physical therapy in the corner and they gave him I don't know how many minutes before he could recover the opponent that fought Povetkin. But that was in Russia. That doesn't surprise me. But this fight, what about what they did with the referee's tie? Making they yeah, had to yeah. stop the wasn't action. That ridiculous? They had to stop wasn't the action. Ridiculous? They had to stop the action to straighten out his time. Are you kidding me? I, that, I, you see, and that's 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 what I'm talking about. That's what that's exactly um, what 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 really peeves me to no end. The referees tie. Are you really? <laughs> did the fans come turn on the TV, or did they come to see the referee? You know. You, you, you know, I, I, I can remember, you know, my belt, you know, um, the buckle coming loose from the belt. I threw it right out of the ring and kept right on going. What are you talking about? That was totally, they took away from the competitiveness of the belt, giving them extra rest period, okay, for the referee's tie. That was ridiculous. Uh, you know, totally. To, to to even give them the time to do that was was a, a travesty. And I say this all the time. You know, we're watching Fighter A versus Fighter B. We're not watching Fighter A versus Fighter B featuring referee so-and-so. We're not. You know, and, and, oh, and, and that was so sad that they did that. Um, you know, it, 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 was, it was terrible. How about the fight with uh, Corrales, Jezreel Corrales, 
against uh, Robinson Castellanos, who's a who's a guy that I mean, if you don't like Castellanos and his road to where he is, you're not a fight fan. This was a guy that never had any backing, nothing. Had a had a right. basically get his uh, position uh, the hard way, and um, I thought that the fight was close. Uh, you know, I, what did you think of the stoppage? I mean, they were they did have some cuts on their head, but I, you know, why not let them go to the last two rounds? Jezreel, uh, Jezreel Corrales seemed like he was being bothered, but the the more serious cut looked like it was on Castellanos, which occurred early in the fight. What was your thoughts on them uh, stopping well, it and going well, to the actually, scorecard? The cut was beneath the eye, also, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a whole other thing on yeah. Corrales. It was be- yeah. it was below the eye, you know. So yeah, I mean, we- did they think he was running out of gas and and you know Castellanos was coming on strong? I mean, it, I thought that that was a clear indicator that you know, hey, the the house fighter needs to win this fight. He had already been down twice. He wasn't looking all that great. And, uh, you know, when they decided to stop, when the doctor stopped that fight, I was like, what, why not? Why are they, why are they doing that? I, I, I don't know, but you know, it's, it's, um, I, I kind of think that this liability factor now is playing into the minds of a lot of these ringside physicians. You know, we've had, um, a few, uh, fatalities to occur. Uh, recently in MMA, one in Canada, one recently last week, I think, in Kentucky. Then, of course, you know, you got that major, that major lawsuit and that major situation with Mago in New York. And I think we even had some discussion once before about how many times the doctors kept coming up, looking at the fighters, kept, you know. And so I think it's just this overall um, I don't want to use the word panic, but I think it's just high alert by a lot of these ringside physicians. But I looked at that cut. I said, well, you know, the, the, the fight's almost over. They're not going to stop this because it's beneath the eye. So it's no danger of blood running into the eye. And give the cut man at least a, an opportunity to do something. But I guess maybe the doctor felt that, um, you know, there was some danger of even more serious harm to the fighter and he decided to stop it i'm i'm often reluctant to um you know be critical for lack of a better term about the ringside physicians because you know that that is their profession and they are there to protect the health and safety of the fighters so i would i would think that there was um the concern that there was some more serious facial damage pending if they allowed the fight to continue. That's that's the only reason, or that's the only thing that I could see, Billy. But I, I actually thought that they were going to let it continue. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. How about, I know you, you get bothered by this, but how about the Sullivan Barrera fight against... Uh, uh, Joe Smith Jr. Joe Smith Jr. We later found out, you know, had his jaw broken or whatever. But his corner, if your fighter it has a broken jaw, and we saw that Joe Smith Jr.'s uh, boxing skill was not there, and that all he was no. able to do was was land that power punch. And once the jaw was broken, I mean, on the oof was out of Joe Smith Jr. As a corner, if you really care about your fighter. Isn't it time to to stop the fight instead of trying to be a rah rah man and say go out there you you know you got to win this fight you got to knock him out I mean I, you know 
I, I know I wasn't in the corner, and I know I wasn't looking in the eyes of Joe Smith Jr., so maybe the corner was doing the right thing. But so, so often do we see these corner guys being so tough uh, for the fighter. I mean, on one hand, we just were saying that we thought that the fight might have been stopped too soon in the Corrales-Castellanos uh, fight, but in this fight, the kid had nothing that night, and everybody has a bad night. Why make him go, especially if you know he's got a broken jaw where, you, where you know, you could be inflicting more and more damage. And Barrera was a sharpshooter after he got up off the canvas early in that fight. He became a sharpshooter. I, I blame the corner uh, for Joe Smith. What, what, what do you think? Well, again, you know my view on that situation. Cornermen and referees, in my opinion, some referees, they're the bravest they're the bravest people in boxing. Um, I agree. Um, Joe Smith Jr., Barrera, actually made him look like a one-fight wonder. Okay? Everybody's hopes were very high after uh, Smith had uh, knocked uh, Bernard Hopkins out. Uh, a Bernard Hopkins, who perhaps should have been retired at the time of the fight, if not uh, much sooner. And so everybody's hopes were very high, and all the pressure was on Joe. Um, he had nothing. After that fluke knockdown um, uh, in the first round, I mean, hit hit Barrera with a left hook, I think, on the forehead, knocked him down. Um, Roy Jones really pointed that out, and I had to agree. Gee whiz, that'd be real power to um, hit tag a guy on the forehead and he goes down like that. But anyway, I don't think there's any question about Smith's power. And he had nothing. After that first round, I didn't give him a single round. As a matter of fact, he was taken totally to school. He had nothing at all in the fight. Even the punch wasn't working after that first round. That's my point. So I think, yeah. I think that in order to protect the health and safety of a fighter, he's got a broken jaw. He's way behind in the fight. Corner man should know his fighter better than anyone else. He should have known that this kid just didn't have it that night. And, again, we go back to a loss, especially a loss like that, would, would not be the end of his career. But you don't really know how much damage they did to this kid by allowing that fight to continue. What they did to his psyche, what they did to him physically, we don't know yet. Right. Okay? So I think it was a bad thing for them to allow that fight to continue. I agree. Okay, to that point. And even if his jaw wasn't broken, if a, if a corner really cares that much about a kid, okay, the performance in itself, I think, warranted them to stop the fight because he's young he's still got a future in boxing but once again we don't know how much value they put on that zero you know being undefeated and all of that type of nonsense that goes on in boxing so i agree with you there i think that they should have stopped the fight i think that unlike the other situation where i thought the fight could have been allowed to continue this is one that I thought should have been stopped by the corner. Right. So I think it. they may have made a serious mistake that night. I agree. By the corner, you know, and uh, 
you know, sometimes these, these uh, you know, real hard, heavy-handed fighters don't do themselves justice because, you know, I, I hear rumors all the time that Joe Smith has all this boxing uh, skill. I've never seen it. And I think that I what happens is they, they rely on that power and the power isn't working, especially since he kind of celebrated prematurely after the knockdown. And then, like you said, he, he didn't have it, you know, and uh, the corner needed to to step up and be the bad guy for uh, for the fighter and say, I'm stopping this fight. Tomorrow's another day. You know, um, you know, they, they were hoping like the fighter that he was going to land that lucky punch and lay out his opponent. But, you know, he's in there with a very experienced guy, you know, and uh, I don't know. Bad decision. But uh, and, you know, hey, Billy, let me add, to, you know, because this this plays right into something that I've heard several times um, because, you know, you know, when these guys get these interviews, these referees and sometimes these commentators, you know, they like these sound bites that sound good. I've heard this from a referee. I've even heard it from um, others. You know, uh, we like for the let the fighters decide the outcome. You know, you've heard this. It sounds good. You know, I'm the type of referee that I don't want to get involved. I like to let the fighters decide. Well, that's not why you're there. And that's not why the corner is there, okay? It goes beyond, um, you know, just refereeing and letting the fighters. Fighters, if you allow fighters to decide, real fighters will fight to the death. They will fight to the death. Fighters don't want the embarrassment of quitting, okay, in, in front of thousands of fans. So that's why the referee and the cornermen are there to truly protect the health and safety of the fighters, even from themselves, because the fighter does not want to openly quit, so he will keep going like Joe, like, uh, Joe Smith did. So I think that the responsibility in that particular situation fell definitely right on that corner to say, hey, Joe, you don't have it tonight, okay? We're going to stop this fight okay, and go back to the drawing board. And I think that they would have gained a greater measure of respect from the fighter and certainly from the fans and from people like, you know, like us. You know, uh, I, well, I agree 100%. The uh, fights, uh, you know, you're talking about uh, referees. I, you know, I just can't, I, don't, I can't even focus to see if he's a good referee because I, I, I think that his antics in the ring are so terrible and it, it really takes away. It, to me, it's it's almost degrading to other referees. But I'm talking about the, the guy out of New York, uh, Willis. Uh, he did the uh, uh, Brown-Monahan uh, fight. He's doing his little dances and the googly eyes stuff. And, I, I mean, I, you know. Well, and, and, then, and then you had the commentators uh, last time yeah. he was on HBO saying that he's one of the favorite referees, that the fans love watching him. They love doing this. And I'm saying to myself, who? What fan? I don't want to see a guy yeah. hogging the camera. He's always in the camera shot. You know, I, well, I don't well, understand well. why a commission would reward a referee like that. Well, because, because you have commissions. You have commissions and heads of commissions who don't know anything about refereeing, so they don't have the confidence to challenge referees. They don't have the confidence to challenge guys and say, hey, wait a minute. These are not a part of referees' mechanics. Now, let me, let, me, let me point out something here that's very important. Once again, I'm telling you, it's these commentators 
that are that are spoiling a lot of these referees. The human factor. When you got guys like Lampley and some of these others, oh, this referee is this, he's that. The fans love him. This, that. Well, we don't know that unless you've taken some type of poll of fans, okay? And I'm not one of them. The the referee goes home. He watches the replay of that, and he listens to all of this uh, BS being said about him. So now that makes him feel good, okay? And so he's going to bring on more. Now here's the important thing that, that you have to remember. Referees are supposed to be partial or impartial, okay, and be seen and not seen. With all of these antics, these facial expressions when the guys are punching, you never know the impact that that stuff is having on the judges. You know, ooh, ow, ooh, you know, all of that, okay? <laughs> so now a judge watching that may play into that, uh, to, th to this moronic uh, stuff that's going on, and it may affect that judge's scoring of a bout where, you know, uh, the, the referee is, is making all of these grimaces and now the judge may feel, oh, that was an effective punch or that was that. You understand what I'm saying, Billy? So that's why the referee should stay out of the way Stay away, either out of the camera, let the judges focus on the fighters, okay? And and I'm like you, you know, I don't think or I think that someone and that commission should tell this referee, hey, look, you know, this may be something that comes about naturally, but I think that you have to kind of focus on not being so uh, demonstrative when you're refereeing because it doesn't look good to the to the judges and we don't want the cornermen okay this could have a psychological impact on you know a lot of people involved in in the event now let me point out something else to you here the guy from California Reese the referee did you hear him when he went over to Joe Smith's corner and said to Joe hey Joe you know you usually don't uh, fight like this is everything okay Okay, that was totally out of line for the referee to be saying. That's no different than when uh, the referee from Texas went over to the corner and told a fighter that he was ahead. You remember that one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know these these little antics that referees are doing, they should be called on the carpet for. You know, and I'm a stickler, you know, for referees. You know, and 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 I know you know the reason why. Okay, but. He had no, that ethically he was totally out of bound to go over because that implies to Joe Smith, it could imply that you're losing the fight or it could imply that the referee is coaching. You know, there's a lot of implications from those types of actions. You know, hey, Joe, I mean, is everything okay? You don't usually fight like this. I never heard a referee say anything so outrageous what, to a fighter in a corner. What about Smoger when when if if he's if he's got a favorite, he slap when he's pushing the other guy when he pushes the opponent out of the way, he throw, you know, slaps him around a little bit. I, I mean, I used to watch oh, that. Hey, and then oh, the and then the same the same comment. Oh, I know. And then the same comment is, "Oh, he's a great referee." And it's like, "What do you know? Cuz he slaps around the opponents, you know? I mean, you know, uh, I I agree with you. I they should listen. 
the best refereeing jobs is when you when you can't remember who the referee was. To me, that's the best referee job because he stayed out of the picture. He st- he didn't make the fight about himself. He was in there, you know, making sure the fighters were uh, abiding by the rules and the safety of the fighters were intact. That's what a good referee should be doing and not, well, you know, I- and and the Willis guy we were talking about you know, he does his little dance too, like as he as he's dancing around, like he's you know staying in position. And he's doing a little 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 shuffle step, you know, with his with his dance, you know. And it's like you know, some people are watching that. You know, if the referee's watching how he dances, they're not watching the fight. So how you know? Then we wonder why the scores are so out of whack sometimes. You know, hey, uh, well, uh, it's you know. it's terrible. Hey, hey, Larry, I only got about a minute, but. Uh, it's it's going to be announced uh, either today or tomorrow that uh, Deontay Wilder is finally going to uh, fight, in my opinion, uh, a real uh, heavyweight, a top yep. heavyweight in Luis Ortiz. Yep. I love it. And, and you know, the truth of the matter is, is, you know, this gives Deontay Wilder a chance to shut a guy like me up because, you know, I, I feel that he hasn't really fought a, a top-notch heavyweight uh, yet. And, right. and he pounds his chest saying he's the best. I think even though Luis Ortiz is 38, I still think this is going to be a good fight. And I, I think it's a 50-50 fight. I mean, I'm leaning towards Ortiz, but I like this fight. What's your thoughts real quick? Well, well, I'm, I'm glad to see Wilder step up too. Um, i tell you one thing, Billy. I think that if he, if, he, um, if he could get back, if he could get back to the way he was in the beginning, in some of those fights. No, one fight. You're talking jab. about you're talking about he that one that fight. The one fight against Stavern where he used his jab and all that. He looked good yeah. in that fight. That fight was yeah. uh, you know, but he headhunts for all the other guys. Yeah. Well, if he can get back and listen to Mark Breland's instructions, okay? I think that uh, you know, he's going to make it very interesting. Yeah. But I think it's a good challenge. And I'm glad to see him stepping up. Yep. I, I'm, and, and, but, you know, I, I think it had something to do with the fact, and, and this kind of flew under my radar, I just found out yesterday, that uh, Luis Ortiz had signed with Al Heyman three months ago. So uh-huh. you, got, uh, you got, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, the keeper was protecting his, his golden goose. And then now all of a sudden he's in a win-win situation and it's time to step hey. up. See, this is where I feel that management and promoters and advisors or whatever you want to call them um, don't help their fighter when they don't progressively increase level of opposition because they're in a sense they're not giving their fighter a chance to improve. Like you just said, his fight uh, under the tutelage of Mark Breland against Stavern showed us that he could use a jab. He fought smart. He didn't rush in there. You know, he knew when to be cautious. He knew when to let his hands go. When he's fighting a guy that has no chance... All he wants to do is knock him out, you know, and, it, you know, I think he, he a fighter loses in that case because they don't give themselves a chance to get better. It's going to be interesting to see how he approaches Ortiz. Yeah, I, I can't wait, but this will be a big test for him. I'm oh, glad yeah. to see it. Man, it, the heavyweight division, if this fight actually happens and goes through um, without any uh, problems... Uh, the heavyweight division is is certainly getting interesting. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, again, uh, again, again, yes, right, right, again. Well, listen, my man, it's a slow weekend uh, for fights, uh, but uh, we'll be chatting next week. Okay, Billy. Okay, buddy. All right, Larry, have a good one. You too. That's uh, my man, Larry Hazard, boxing hall of famer and New Jersey athletic commissioner. 
uh, giving us his thoughts. And uh, as usual, uh, Larry uh, does not pull any punches. And uh, at least he agrees with me with that Willis uh, situation. I mean, no referee should be dancing and smiling. And, and, and he was funny when he says he gives him those looks. That's exactly what the looks are. Like, oh, God, that must have hurt. You know, and the judge sees that. Who knows what they're thinking. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, the blast from the past. Boom Boom Mancini coming up next. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, coming up now is one of our longest-running segments, and uh, you're one of your favorites, one of our listener uh, favorite segments. Uh, we've been doing this show 14 years now, and uh, this segment's uh, at least 12 of those 14 years we've been doing it. It's our blast from the past, and this week's blast from the past is being brought to us uh, in part by the Title Bout Championship computer game. Uh, get yourself a copy right now. Uh, you can go to our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the Title Bout uh, banner, and also by kofantasyboxing.com. Check out the website, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And this week's uh, Blast from the Past, uh, another uh, request by you guys, the listeners. So if you have a request, just uh, feel free to drop me an email, billy at talking boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. This week, one of my favorite fighters. So I, I was real glad to uh, get this one. Ray, Boom Boom Mancini. Joining us right now to tell us all about Boom Boom Mancini is my man, Alex Perpali. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Billy C. How are you? You look like you're in black and white today. Uh, I don't know what's up with the color. I'm looking at the screen. Uh, I, I put on a green shirt because I heard... Um, uh, I saw that Sal was wearing green, but uh, when when I opened up the Skype, it looks like I'm in. Uh, I, it's red. Well, uh, you know, you being you being. Uh, you... Too, so the shade, there's bright sun coming in this way. I feel like Kramer with the Kenny Rogers sign. <laughs> well, you you being that that uh, you know specialist, I fit, thought maybe uh, oh, today I'm gonna I'm gonna show myself in black and white. <laughs> Ray, boom, boom, Mancini, one of my favorites, Alex. Tell us about this guy. Well, that that could be good, yeah, a black and white, because this guy was a throwback. Uh, he was, uh, and just on schedule, I don't know if you could hear in the background there, um, they're uh, uh, weed whacking or something right outside my window, so um, that's, that's always a plus. Uh, but, yeah, he was born Raymond Michael Mancini, uh, March 4th, 1961, in Youngstown, Ohio. It's uh, where the steel mills um, uh, were a once thriving um, business. Uh, another thing that uh, was big there was uh, organized crime. It um, was uh, like midway between Pittsburgh and Cleveland, and uh, the rival, rival mobs uh, fought over the ter territory at one point in the 50s and 60s. It was 
thought of as Murder Town USA. Um, you know, lots of fights over gang gangland activities and lots of car bombings. Um, but uh, Ray Mancini was uh, born to uh, a um, Irish mother and an Italian father, like myself. Um, he's the youngest of three. He had an older brother and an older sister. And um, his father, Lenny Mancini, was uh, a lightweight uh, boxer and um, had actually fought uh, Sammy Angot and uh, Rocky Castellani. Um, and, you know, had a 61-bout career, and Ray took after his dad and lived, uh, adored his father and sort of lived out um, some of the, his father's fantasies and, um, and uh, you know, followed in his father's footsteps in terms and exceeded uh, his father's uh, uh, greatness in the ring. You know, Alex... Uh... My, uh, my 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 question about, about the father Lenny, didn't he in, get injured um, in, um, in in I don't know if when he went to, to in the service or something. I think he sustained an injury that actually ended his boxing career, and it was something that uh, Boom Boom wanted to pick up for him. You're you're right, uh, but it wasn't it an injury that that caused him to uh, to to end his boxing career. I'm not sure if he, it, it looked like he did have uh, more bouts afterwards, but uh, the way they referred to it in one of the documentaries I was watching was uh, he actually came back from the war heavier uh, because he had so much shrapnel in him from, yeah, a, a German grenade that I guess exploded, uh, exploded near him uh, or a shell or something. Shrapnel went into him, into his shoulder and stuff. But it, it appears, at least chronologically on BoxRec, he did have fights past, uh, you know, after he returned. Not as much success, of course, as before the war. But, yeah, uh, it probably, you know, some of the, um, you know, uh, greatness that maybe his father could have uh, achieved was definitely taken away by that injury. So uh, perhaps that was part of what motivated uh, young Ray Mancini was uh, to try to make up where his father um you know, had fallen short. One of the things I loved about Ray Boom Boom Mancini, obviously, was his uh, aggressive style inside the ring. He was uh, an exciting fighter to watch, and I know a lot of people, uh, when his time uh, uh, came up for the Hall of Fame, a lot of people felt that he didn't deserve uh, to be in the Hall of Fame. And I've always said this about Hall of Fame inductees. Not only do they have to accomplish something in their field of play, and I don't mean just boxing, I mean any sport, not only do they have to be, you know, excellent uh, in their field of play, and obviously in this case boxing, uh, but they have to contribute something. And, and the, con the contribution I always felt that Ray Boom Boom Mancini made was to the fans. The style in which he fought uh, was, uh, was very uh, entertaining. And, you know, his rise up uh, through the ranks, you know, starting off typical like, uh, like every other young fighter, uh, you know, working his way up to start fighting some experienced guys and, and so on and so forth. Uh, Jose Luis Ramirez uh, actually uh, put him in a position when he won a 12-round decision over him. Uh, many people didn't think he could go 12 rounds, even though he had gone 10 rounds a couple of times before that. But Jose Luis Ramirez uh, was a big name, was a 71-3 record uh, when he fought him in 1981. And uh, as a result, he got his first world title shot. That's the good news. The bad news was it was against Alexis Arguello. Tell us about that fight. Yeah, that 
really unfortunate because he um, um, was was too green, uh, and I think that that's one of those things that uh, you know um, it, it was it was very touching because um, he actually uh, at the end of it, uh, Ray, uh, Alexis Arguello, you know, there's a touching moment. It, it's rem well, it reminded me of the. Um, years later the uh end of uh mike tyson versus lennox lewis where mike tyson actually wipes a, uh some of the sweat from lennox's face but there's a nice moment there at the end after uh an incredible fight where you know see that's one of the things billy see about this guy uh and even i was a little hard on him uh in terms of when he was um up for the hall of fame i was you know uh hell hell if god he's in it he certainly should be in it um, but uh, the um, he he fought fifteen rounders, and uh, it was he was actually doing very well and probably slightly ahead at the ten round point uh, with Arguello. And of course, Arguello, you know, uh, just a magnificent boxer, uh, starts turning it on later. Uh, you know, when you have five rounds more, um, you know, it's like a whole a whole other fight. And uh, in the 12th round, it's beautiful. Uh, towards the end of the round, Arguello catches um, uh, Mancini with this beautiful straight right hand. And that's the beginning of the end. And uh, he stops him. And at the end, yeah, uh, Arguello sort of embraces him. And, and there's a quote here, actually, from uh, uh, the Boxing's Greatest Fighters by Burt Sugar. Uh, you know, Arguello is in there. Mancini is not in there. But um, he said to him, uh, Ray, I hope I, I never have another fight this hard. There is no doubt in my mind you will become a champion. I know how bad you wanted to beat me and win the title for your father, but you and he have nothing to be ashamed about. You fought like a champion because inside you are one. So it's just a really a beautiful moment, and that was the thing about Mancini at the time. You know, it was a very different world uh, in terms of media, uh, TV. You know, there you, you couldn't like record it. VCRs weren't even quite uh, invented yet in the early '80s. When he was fighting on TV, it was sort of a port appointment TV. Um, and uh, like you said, um, he uh, was a real. Um, uh, charismatic fighter but his style was so engaging and he was on tv a lot cbs had a contract with him they had a, a market with the uh, youngstown ohio the regional fans he did great ratings and um and it was worth it because uh he was uh, fun to watch and uh, and arguello was right a couple years later he gets the shot at the title against uh, arturo frias and that fight is a one-round war. You know, I, this is what I, I really don't like about today's sport of boxing, Alex. You know, in boxing years ago, a, a fight like the Alexis Arguello fight takes a fighter like Boom Boom Mancini and helps him become a better fighter in defeat. And like uh, you read the, that quote from Alexis Arguello, you know, giving the guy he just beat you know, credit, which is, you know, he didn't have to do that. He could have just uh, enjoyed uh, his moment of, of coming from behind because that's what he did in that fight, um, come from behind and, and win. Uh, but, uh, you know, a loss 
doesn't always mean the end of a boxer's career. In this case, the loss was a big driving uh, mechanism for Boom Boom Mancini. And what did he do? He got right back up on his horse. He got a, you know, let's get him a win fight in his next fight after Arguello. Then he fought Julio Valdez, who was a tough fighter uh, in, in those times. A lot of, uh, he was uh, 20 wins, nine losses, and a draw when he fought uh, Ray, Ray Mancini. But a lot of those losses um, were not, uh, maybe they weren't so many losses, you know, is, is my point, which set him up for that other world title shot that you mentioned against Arturo Frias. And this time, like you said, uh, he was uh, a guy that uh, was on a mission, uh, destroyed Freyas in one round and uh, became uh, the WBA world lightweight champ. Uh, he would go on to fight uh, an, another, you know, make a successful defense. And then probably, unfortunately for Boom Boom Mancini, the most famous fight of Boom Boom's career uh, took place on November 13th in 1982 against Dooku Kim. And uh, not only did this fight uh, change uh, Boom Boom Mancini's life, Alex, but it changed the sport of boxing forever. Tell us about the fight with Dooku Kim. It, it absolutely did. It very much uh, shaped uh, boxing uh, and, and especially boxing's uh, relationship with um, with uh, free TV um, because uh, a, a person was basic was basically beaten to death on Saturday afternoon te te television, uh, and that was very hard for um, at least the networks to, to handle, um, you know, that, that whole idea about what kind of, what is boxing, is it barbarism, is it sport, uh, really became a question afterwards. And there were even, uh, I, I forget now, I think it was, uh, what was it, Mike Weaver, um, Mike Weaver versus Holmes. One of the, there was a heavyweight title fight soon after this one that was probably stopped too early because people were so worried about uh, fatal boxing matches. But yeah, Dooku Kim at the time, a fighter with only 19 fights, this young kid from, uh, from uh, South Korea who, um, you know, uh, gets a title shot. And on a Saturday afternoon in Las Vegas at Caesar's Palace in a in a parking lot, you know the way those fights uh, were a lot of some of the greatest fights of the '80s. Uh, that's the place they took place is outdoors like that, uh, and it was an incredible matchup. Neither fighter would give give anything, and Duku Kim gave as good as he got. Uh, it was almost like Mancini uh, was facing a Korean. Uh, counter uh point of himself um and uh it was an incredible match and finally in the 14th uh kim was stopped and uh he died a few days uh, four days later uh due to his injuries from that fight and uh yeah it was very very difficult for ray mancini to uh deal with and of course uh horribly tragic for the uh the family of duku kim you know, uh, he never, I, I've, I had spoken to uh, Boom Boom Mancini several times. He's been on this show. We didn't talk about it on, over the air, but um, off the air, you know, he, he said that it changed his whole life. He, he, he had considered retiring at, right after that fight. Um, really, I, you know, no one could really relate to what it must feel like. Uh, I certainly can't. 
uh, but it definitely affected Boom Boom Mancini. One thing I'll jump ahead, you know, for he never. It wasn't until a couple of years ago uh, they were filming a documentary, and he actually went um, just for closure for himself, and uh, he went over to South Korea and met uh, the son of Dooku Kim, who Dooku Kim never met. Uh, his uh, wife or fiance at the time was pregnant with the son, and uh, basically gave them. Um, basically, he he uh, you know wanted to meet them, and and the family told him that they forgave him for that. And it was the first time that he felt, and I'm talking about he meaning Boom Boom Mancini, felt that he had 100% closure. And, uh, you know, you hear about that, Alex, about guys who, you know, fought in wars and, and they have to go back to to where, uh, you know, all of these haunting uh, experiences took place in order to get closure. It's something I, I can't relate to. Uh, you know, I don't know why you would do that, but it certainly helped Boom Boom and it showed... That, uh, that the family knew that Dooku Kim, you know, chose uh, to be a fighter. No one forced him to do that, and that's the risk that ultimately every fighter takes. And uh, it was a shame that, that uh, you know, the, that he had to experience that. Yeah, I, I think that that's one of those things that, um, you know, they, they're forever bound, uh, you know, him and the, and the family of, of, of Kim. Uh, and I think that... Uh, it is something you don't like to think about um, in boxing. However, uh, to not it, it's sort of the uh, elephant in the room. Uh, it goes with the territory with boxing. Uh, boxing is a very dangerous sport. Um, you know, uh, it, it's the the riskiest of uh, of contact sports in that sense. And of course, uh, you know. Like you said, uh, the family has that understanding that he he died doing what he loved. You know, he um, uh, he wanted to be there, and uh, it wasn't like he, uh, you know, it, it was accidental or uh, anything purposeful on uh, on Mancini's point, uh, uh, you know, part. That, uh, but you're right; it is a, a source of, uh, of 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 traumatic stress. And uh, but one thing about uh, the thing about Mancini, I think that's amazing is uh, just the determination. And yeah, Coach mentioned this in the uh, in the chat room. That was where the nickname came from. Is uh, Boom Boom uh, came from Lenny Mancini. Uh, he took uh, his father's nickname. Um, but uh, one of the things that I like that uh, Mancini talked about was um, it's very difficult to get to there but it's much harder to stay there. And I think that one of those things that, uh, that comes with, um, you know, uh, is, is dealing with, uh, being a champion is dealing with adversity, whether that's, uh, you know, um, consistency and maintaining a consistency in your training camp or dealing with the the horrible repercussions of your own actions you know like he was forced to uh in uh in the death of dooku kim you know he he waited almost a year uh before he fought again really contemplating uh uh retirement but what he did do uh after the dooku kim fight is he fought george feeney Although his title wasn't on the line and George Feeney was certainly no world beater, he fought for the first and only time in Italy. Uh, and it was something that he did want to do. Uh, so he did do that. He got the decision. And 
he came back to the States, New York specifically, and had a title uh, defense against Orlando Romero, who was undefeated at the time. Uh, he then fought uh, Johnny Torres. Then in a fight that uh, I remember uh, can't waiting to go and watch was him against Bobby Chacon. Bobby Chacon, a, a, a Hall of Famer in his own right, but it was certainly not the same Bobby Chacon. This fight, uh, although a lot of people gave Chacon a chance, was really... Uh, an opportunity for uh, uh, Chacon to make some money. He was uh, on the skids at that time, and uh, and Bo uh, Ray Mancini was was uh, looked up to Bobby Chacon, and uh, they were friends. And this fight, uh, although uh, Boom Boom Mancini didn't show like he was too good of friends in that fight, battering Bobby Chacon until they stopped it in three, uh, set up the the first of two fights against Livingstone Bramble, which to this day, to this day, Alex makes me sick. Tell us about those two. Yeah, they're two tremendous fights. Uh, but yeah, I just I was just kind of laughing when you said that uh, that um, Chacon uh, was he looked up to Chacon. If if we all could be treated like that by our friends, yeah, uh, yeah, Mancini beat the hell out of yeah. him, knocked him out in three rounds. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, two f uh, fights with um, Livingston Bramble, uh, exciting fights. Again, 15-rounders. The first one, uh, it, it actually goes 14, and uh, Mancini has stopped. Livingston Bramble, one of those guys, I think he's probably the only fighter to ever appear on uh, the Ring magazine with a boa constrictor. Um, and, uh, you know, was uh, a tough uh, guy. And, like, they, they had these two, you know, uh, a, a tough guy from the uh, the virgin islands and um they had those two two 15 round wars every now and then they do get replayed i notice on msg network and uh they're definitely worth a look uh that became a rivalry and a guy that uh yeah mancini just couldn't beat him bramble had his number you know i i'll tell a quick story i know we're running out of time but you know i, I worked with bramble uh, for a while afterwards, uh, after that fight, and and I I always had this, Boom Boom Mancini was one of my favorite fighters, and the first fight uh, was kind of a head game that Bramble played. If you guys remember, he wore Kim on his trunks, um, totally playing uh, head games with with uh, uh, Boom Boom Mancini. The fight was stopped. Uh, Boom Boom uh, did take a beating in that fight, and they had the rematch uh, in February of 1985. Now, I went away uh, that, uh, that weekend. I, I happened to have gone to uh, Puerto Rico, and I had set this new invention uh, called a VCR, uh, and it was set to record uh, the fight, which I, I couldn't you know, wait to. So I, I, I managed to uh, avoid uh, hearing, because at the time, uh, boxing was actually still in newspapers and stuff, so I didn't get a newspaper, didn't want to talk about the fight. And uh, finally get home, and I had it all set, and I thought I'd be slick and had the uh, uh, VCR set to record uh, even a little bit afterwards. And I get home, I sit down, and lo and behold, it, it worked. You know, it was on a VHS tape, and I start watching this fight. And I, the beginning of the 15th round, now I'm watching this fight, and I'm thinking, oh, it's a close fight. And I, I thought that Boom Boom was, was winning the fight, and all of a sudden the tape goes blank. I didn't have the 15th round. So it took me another month and a half, six weeks, 
to locate somebody else who taped the fight, still not knowing the end. I couldn't let anybody tell me what the result was. Locating somebody that had the fight, then figuring out how we can record from one VCR to another, which was not an easy thing in 1985. And uh, finally got the last round only to watch my man lose a decision uh, against Livingstone Bramble uh, was uh, was heartbreaking. Uh, uh, then uh, Ray Mancini, not to uh, jump into your uh, shoes here, Alex, but Ray Mancini would uh, retire at 23 years old, uh, which was unheard of, uh, came back a couple of years later for the money, fought Hector Camacho, lost another close fight in which I felt he won, and then his last fight was stopped uh, by Greg Haugen and... Uh, uh, was ultimately the end of his career. Uh, he has gone on to uh, be very successful in the film industry as a uh, producer and, and filmmaker. He has acted in a couple of films. Alex, I don't know if you saw that, but uh, he played a, a World War II guy once that uh, is less than stellar performance. But, uh, I mean, uh, the guy is, uh, uh, is good. He's been doing some commentating now. Uh, so, uh, you know, I've always loved uh, Boom Boom Mancini. Um, but uh, Alex, how did he do in the title bout game? Uh, I only put him against one fighter, and uh, he, um, he he did all right. But uh, actually, yeah, he did dominate. Um, I put him in against um, uh, the right now the guy who's the supreme uh, lightweight, Mikey Garcia, who um, looks really good in training. Actually, there was a clip of him I saw on Facebook yesterday pounding the heavy bag. He's preparing for Adrian Broner on the 29th. And against Mikey Garcia, I had Mancini fight him the first time. Mancini wins by KO. It's uh, He gets a stoppage at 34 seconds of round number 10. When they fight 100 times, Mancini dominates. 75 victories, 25 defeats, 68 big wins by knockout. And in the 25 victories that uh, Garcia had, he scored 17 KOs. I'm not quite sure I agree with that, but um, that's the results. I did want to say uh, maybe you should be in that um, uh, in the Hall of Fame uh, along with uh, Rocky Senecola there, uh, Billy C, because uh, that Bramble fight for you was probably the longest 15-rounder ever. <laughs> You're right. That was a long... You're right. That's a great point, and, and it still haunts me to this day. I mean, yeah, people, the, the, people today have no idea uh, because of how far in advance technology is. I mean, just to get a recording, I mean, to go through, I, I mean, you know. Um, one other thing I want to mention about Boom Boom Mancini, and, and uh, you know, it is worth mentioning, you know, during the time from, uh, from the same area in which, uh, in Ohio, uh, there was another world champion, uh, Henry Arorio. And uh, Henry Arorio never fought Ray Boom Boom Mancini. It was one fight that I feel that Boom Boom Mancini should have had. Now, I don't know what the uh, reasons were, uh, if one side didn't want to fight the other or, or if it just couldn't materialize, but that would have been one fight that uh, I personally would have uh, liked to have seen. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, it never took place. Ray Boom Boom Mancini, our uh, blast from the past today, who's a former world lightweight champion. He also challenged for the world junior welterweight title, uh, had a career record of uh, 29 wins, 23 by knockout. He had five losses in which he was stopped three times, uh, was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 2015 and uh, Alex as usual great job one quick question I know we're over our time uh, but Deontay Wilder 
against Luis Ortiz, and hopefully you can come on uh, again later in the week to, to give us uh, a more in-depth uh, thought on that and some other things. But um, right now, off the top of your head, I know you're a big Luis Ortiz fan, and uh, I, know, I know you've heard me uh, criticize Deontay Wilder for pounding his chest, saying he's the best, blah, blah, blah. But this truly is the first true test, in my opinion, and reg regardless of the fact that Luis Ortiz is 38 and has been out of the ring for quite some time, I still believe this will be a legitimate fight for Deontay Wilder. What's your thoughts real quick? Uh, yeah, I think it's a good matchup. I think uh, there's a lot of interesting things happening at heavyweight this year. Uh, this will be a, a, a sort of unification, oh, definitely a unification. Um and uh, that, that's great news. Yes, it's a step up for Wilder, who's probably regressed since his big win over Berman Stavern. Um, I think it's definitely for him, it's at, the good, at a good time, too, because Ortiz uh, did look pretty lousy. Uh, his last fight was against Malik Scott, right? So it could be that... Um, you know, the guy who at, for a while I thought was uh, one of the most talented heavyweights, he might be uh, way past it at 38 years old. And, and maybe the win over Bryant Jennings was the highlight of his career. Yeah, you know, he looked great in that fight. The, yeah. the Bryant Jennings fight, he looked great. And uh, yeah. you're right. But you know what? Sometimes fighters like that, Alex, especially uh, the fighters with the, uh, you know, long uh, background that he had in the amateur ranks and the level of opposition that he did face, they get bored. They want a challenge. And, you know, if we don't see the best Luis Ortiz against Deontay Wilder, and likewise, if we don't see the best Deontay Wilder against Luis Ortiz, there's a problem. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he, um, I, I bet he will look better than he has because I think um, uh, fighters tend to train uh, uh in, in terms of, you know, how difficult they know they're matched. And he knows he's going to, that's going to be the toughest fight he's had in a very long time in his whole life, really, in his professional career. Because uh, before that, the best was Berman Stavern. So uh, he'll come in shape. Uh, but yeah, uh, the question is, has he regressed too much? And, uh, and how much of Ortiz is left? Um, but in terms of power, we know Wilder has pop. So if he hits Ortiz on the chin, uh, Ortiz is in trouble. True. There's no doubt about that. Great job, my man. And uh, we'll look forward to you uh, Friday if you got some time. All right, cool. Yeah, I'm sorry about uh, the reception. I'm not sure what's up with just the get right on that. I'll be just, working. Just get right on that. All right, Alex. You know, it's. I mean, yeah. step number one, uh, you have to uh, slit all the tires of the lawn service people. And step number two, fix the damn camera. Will do. <laughs> All right, my man. We'll talk to you soon. That's my man, Alex Papali. We're going to take a short break when I come back. Um, what's his name's joining us again? What's his name again? Oh, that's right. Sal Rocky Senecola. We'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where? 
back. You're listening and watching The Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And a special shout-out to uh, all of our uh, Facebook Live viewers. We are still experimenting. I guess I, I guess, uh, I guess we got to call it a, a regular thing now. It's beyond experimentation. But uh, uh, we got some good uh, questions going on there. We're going back and forth between uh, uh, the Facebook Live uh, communication and our chat room up on BillyCBoxing.com. Joining me uh, again is Sal Rocky Senecola. And, Sal, I got an email from uh, your buddy Joel. He says... Uh, I missed Sal on yesterday's show. Uh, did he watch the PBC or HBO this past Saturday? If so, what was his thoughts on what he saw? You did uh, watch it, and real quick, uh, you enjoyed the stoppage for the bow tie the best, right? I thought that was unique. How beautiful that was displayed on national TV, how the referee allowed the fight to have a longer period of rest than the one minute allotted by uh, the, the laws of boxing in Queensbury since the, since the beginning of those rules. And, I, and I, 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 Billy, I couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it. And they asked for a timeout, and they were fumbling over getting this bow tie, bow tie done. It's probably even a freaking clip-on. Who knows? I, and, I, I and, thought they were. I thought a lot of them were, to tell you the truth. Even you heard what Larry well, I said. Know. You know, can I tell you? I'm going to tell you something. I've worn, I, 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 I take pride in, in tying my regular ties. My father taught me at a young age, the Windsor, this one, that one, a couple knots. I like it. Now, moving down south, they do wear a lot of bow ties. And they do dress up quite a bit when they have these little festivals called like the Run for the Roses, uh, the, the Kentucky Derby. And I've been invited to a party or two. And you dress up in a derby hat. You dress up with, uh, you know, it's an occasion and it's an event. And uh, you you uh, drink mint juleps and you place your bets and you have a good time. And, of course, there is the infamous bow tie that you do not clip on, but you take the pride in having to tie your own bow tie. Now, I have been shown and taught and learned how to tie a bow tie. And let me tell you something. If that thing ever comes undone, it is one of the most <laughs> tedious things to reproduce and do over again, especially when you're allotted only minute in between boxing rounds. So, uh, yeah, but that, that blew my mind. I said, wow, where is boxing really going or heading or falling? I mean, here's a guy with a, with a stupid bow tie around his neck, and I'm sorry for those bow tie fans. I'm sorry. I didn't mean stupid. It's not stupid. But the, having the knot undone and him holding up the minute rest and the, asking for a timeout while they take the time, more than one pair of hands, trying to tie this thing around his neck, instead of ripping it off and say, hey, it's about the fighters, not about me and my appearance. Let's get on. Get Let's go with the show. You know, that blew my mind. Blew my mind and will forever be tarnished and looked at. And I will never. I, I just can't believe it, Bill. You think I got my point? I think you got your point across, and I think uh, my outlook on bow ties have changed. The rest of uh, Joel's email says, after the show yesterday, it was reported <laughs> that Wilder will face Luis Ortiz in the fall. It will take place on Showtime, while Berman Stavern is looking to put a halt to those plans since he's the mandatory. I think none of those guys will get to fight in November. And like you said, Billy C., it'll be Adam Konowski uh, fighting Wilder in November. Do you still agree with your initial thoughts about Konowski 
or did your thoughts change since yesterday? Well, listen, we talked about it earlier. Um, you know, I want to see Wilder fight Luis Ortiz. I love the fight, okay, despite uh, the fact that I feel that Luis Ortiz uh, is, you know, uh, not at his best. That's not Wilder's fault, uh, whether that was part of the game plan to, to wait or, or whatever. You got to remember, Luis Ortiz has had some management issues, uh, you know, was signed with this guy, signed with that guy. Uh, never really uh, got the fights he wanted. And then again, you know, a lot of management teams don't want to put their fighters in with a guy like Luis Ortiz. He was a, he is a dangerous fighter, but nonetheless, it'll by far be the best opponent that Deontay Wilder has faced, 38 years old or not. I hope that the fight happens, but if there is a wrench that's thrown in that, uh, either uh, before, uh, you know, it's actually... Uh, signed, sealed, and delivered. Apparently, the contracts have not been fully signed yet. Uh, they expect them to be today. Uh, but uh, if it's not, then uh, yes, Adam Konowski will be the guy. Uh, it makes sense. Lou DiBella already planted that seed uh, after his win over Otor Spitzka this past weekend. So, uh, But let's keep our fingers crossed. There's nothing better than watching Deontay Wilder against Luis Ortiz seeing AJ get a rematch with uh, Vladimir Klitschko, even think, even though I, I, I feel that there's no need. And then you have Joseph Parker uh, in the mix, who really um, is not on the same caliber as AJ uh, or even Luis Ortiz. Uh, and I'm not so sure he's on the same level as Deontay. Uh, but uh, those are the top guys. So I'm glad it's happening, Sal. Uh, me too. Me too. And I, like I said, this is the time where... Deontay Wilder is going to probably show everybody he's going to rise to the occasion and he's going to, hey, he's not just a, a, a big guy. He's going to have a jab behind him. Maybe he's going to do some defense, but he's going to be uh, strong offensively. That's what I want to see from Deontay because he, he uh, I, th I think he believes who he really is, and I just want to see that fighter go in the ring against a good formidable opponent. Well, I mean, you know, and that's, that's the sad part. I mean, he does think he's the best. Honestly, he thinks he's the best, which is good. You know, you you gotta it's have good. you gotta have gotta confidence. Have you gotta have confidence. But the sad part is, is that his management has not given him a chance to get better. And like Larry and I were talking about, he's got a fantastic trainer in Mark Breland. You know, and he did look good against Berman Stavern. Although, you know, we we wonder how good Stavern really is. The truth of the matter is, is that fight. The fight that Deontay Wilder had against Devern, uh, he showed us that he can box. He had a great jab going. He had movement. Uh, he had a ring generalship, something that we haven't seen in any of his other fights. So you wonder if, if he's become a headhunter and that's all he does, or if he honestly knows that he's in with a guy that he should blow out of there and then tries. I can't see him trying to blow Luis Ortiz out of there quickly. Uh, Ortiz is too good. He's a counterpuncher. Even if he slowed down, even if the same Ortiz that fought uh, Scott shows up, uh, you know. But come on, uh, Ortiz's best performance I was ringside for against uh, uh, Bryant Jennings, and uh, you know, a lot smaller than than Deontay Wilder. Let's make no mistake. And Wilder's going to have quite the height advantage over Ortiz, but nonetheless, love the fight. And we'll talk more about that one, Sal. But uh, uh, the heavyweight division is starting to shape up, huh? It is. It is. And, you know, we saw that great fight 
with that action-packed uh, heavyweight championship between uh, Klitschko and and uh, and uh, Anthony Joshua. And I think uh, you know, looking at that pool right there, and having uh, these other contenders out there. I think it's going to start developing and developing into a really good division. We'll see. And as goes the heavyweight, divi- as goes the heavyweight division, so goes boxing. And uh, uh, you know, we have uh, another decent fight next weekend. Uh, Adrian Broner going up against Mikey Garcia. A lot to prove in that one uh, for both fighters. Some people for feel both. some people feel Mikey Garcia was handed a title shot after a long layoff, and uh, Adrian Broner feels he's got a lot to prove that he's still in the mix. Tough, tough fight. Give Broner credit for fighting Garcia. Give Garcia credit for fighting a bigger guy in Broner. Uh, that's coming up next week, uh, and then uh, and then we're we're closing in on uh, the big, big fight, which is Triple G Canelo. I can't wait to to see that one in a few weeks. But uh, anyway, on this day, July nineteenth in nineteen ninety seven, William Guthrie knocks out Darren Allen in the third round to win the vacant IBF World Light Heavyweight title took place in California. On this day in 1940, Tony Zale knocks out Al Hostick in the 13th round to win the World uh, Middleweight title that took place in Seattle. Um, and that was uh, called the NBA title at the time. Uh, on this day in 1987, Jose Luis Ramirez wins a 12-round decision over Terrence Ali uh, to regain the vacant uh, WBC World Lightweight title, and that took place in France. Uh, Terence Arley, uh, maybe we'll do a, a blast on him. One time we did do it. I got to see Terence Ali fight several times in Las Vegas, and uh, he, this was his world title shot against Jose Luis Ramirez, and Terence Ali was a really good fighter. He had won uh, regional titles but never won a world title. It's a shame because uh, this was a, a really talented fighter, uh, that didn't get many opportunities. He did get this opportunity in 1987, uh, but against uh, Jose Luis Ramirez, even though Ramirez was on the uh, downswing, uh, was uh, was still a tough out. So uh, that's that's a guy to keep uh, uh, your eyes on. On this day in 1981, Juan Jim Juan uh, knocks out Pedro Flores in the... <laughs> I don't know if I said that right. Uh, Juan, I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth, Sal. I'll tell you the truth. I messed up that name. It's Juan. It's Juan Jin Kim. Not Juan Jim Kwan. No, no. It's Juan Jim Kim. And uh, he knocks out. Uh, paid, not to be confused with Juan Chom Chong, but uh, Juan Jin Kim. Juan Jin Kim. Knocks out Pedro Flores in the 13th round to win the WBA World Junior Flyweight title. Took place in South Korea on this day in uh, 1989. Former World Junior Featherweight and Featherweight and Junior Lightweight Champion and Boxing Hall of Famer Wilfredo Gomez fights the final fight of his career. A second round KO win uh, over Mario Salazar. Uh, which took place in Florida. He had a career record of 44 wins, 42 by knockout, with uh, three wow. losses and only uh, wow. uh, one uh, draw. What a what a great fighter uh, Wilfredo great. Gomez uh, was. 44, 42 by knockout, uh, heavy-handed puncher. And on this day, July 19th in 1986, Tim Witherspoon knocks out Frank Bruno in the 11th round to retain his WBA World Heavyweight title. And that took place in London 
on this day in 1986. Uh, that concludes our show uh, for today. Now, tomorrow, we are going to talk more about uh, Luis Ortiz uh, and uh, uh, his fight with Deontay Wilder and some other news, uh, including some updates on uh, Tyson Fury and uh, Artur Beaterbeev. Uh Neither are too uh, uh, happy. And uh, we will also talk about a comparison with where pro boxing is today versus where it was, you know, 40 or 50 years ago and how much less popular it is. And we got statistics to back it up. So uh, referees I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you with this. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.